passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. 2020 has been the year of things happening that are completely out of your control. There's one thing you can control, and that's shaving. Our sponsors are Manscaped are here to remind you to do so. Manscaped is here to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Chaz, have you had any funny manscaping experiences? Okay, so here you go, Derek Riley. I used to only ever say, shave your face, right? Don't shave anything but your face because it is totally brilliant to shave your face before you razor shave with Manscaped. But I've realized women don't like chest hair either. And so I've gone south. I have gone to the chest and it's totally easy. And I mean, do you shave your chest? I, 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 I think men who shave the chest are a half men, Jazz. I don't shave all of it. I just shave the top part that comes up to my neck. So it's like an extension of my face down, right? I leave the chest, I suppose. I misspoke. But I shave the top third, the neck portion of my chest. That's ghastly. Yeah, you get that thing, you get a little regrowth. And you see the regrowth on men. And you go, God, you actually shave the hair on your uh, your chest and your neck. I mean, neck. But I ain't going, I ain't going razor right. down there. So I'm just I'm just cutting the weird fluff that grows up over my V-neck. That's it. Oh, yes, fair enough. But you can probably just trim that with scissors. It's probably a more effective experience. Using Are you clippers. kidding me? The Manscaped tool makes it like I don't even have to think about it. I just do it in seconds and I'm gold. <laughs> well, in fact, listeners to the show will get 20% off and free shop- shipping with the code uh, DIRTYWATER at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And you use the code dirty water. Please use dirty water because this whole thing will be pointless unless you use dirty water. So if you're going to do it, use dirty water, please. Uh, it's time to grab 2020 by the horns <clears throat> and shave. Take your grooming game to the next level. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action of bet online. Chaz, you been betting? I haven't been betting yet, but that's only because it's so frustrating to bet here, where I am so happy for easy online betting because I've always got an instinct that's always wrong. What would you be laying your money on? Oh, right now, I'd go hard on Joe Biden, to be honest. Do they bet politics or no? I don't know. I think so, yeah. You can bet Biden. I think he's a uh, probably a one-and-a-half-to-one semi-favorite. I mean, I guess I wouldn't bet him. but I'd bet uh, on Joe Biden fucking dying. Dying in uh, in the Oval Office. I'd bet. Uh, I'd bet. I mean, yeah. Trump feels to me like he's he's cooked. This is not going to be a good ad talking about how Trump is cooked. <laughs> but how good is Kamala Harris? She's beautiful. I mean, the, the, except now she's offline. She's been derailed by the COVID. 
Oh, I thought oh, an assistant got uh, got COVID, huh? Yeah, but they're really taking her offline purposefully to show how much more responsible they are. Uh, how much she cares. Yep. And how much better she looks in Timberland boots than uh, Melania Trump, huh? I mean, my goodness. <laughs> okay, so from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. You can just spend all your money, lose lose everything you got, lose your wife's money, lose everyone's money. Okay, so head to betonline.ag to get today. AG, I guess, is Antigua. Isn't that amazing? Sweet. That's Isn't where that I want to be betting. Sure, I want to go to Antigua. So head to betonline Antigua today. Uh, betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag for Antigua and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. I'm Derek Riley. I'm with Charlie Smith and welcome to Dirty Water, where conversation smells like hair chemicals and old macaroni and cheese. Today's guest has been a rapper like Cypress Hill and Helium, said one critic, is a television actor, Hawaii Five-O, and has appeared on cinema screens in Varsity Blues, Ocean's 11, 12, and maybe 13. He has surfed and skated since he was a little boy, and he's a black belt in the not-so-gentle art of jiu-jitsu. His daddy is one of the greatest actors of all time, a man who reached the apex of the game in the film Rollerball, which showed the sickness and insanity of contact sports and their allure. Our guest profoundly believes surfing exists as a meritocracy, and will debate, for years if necessary, the importance of hierarchy in the lineup. Introducing Mr. Scott Kahn. I fell in love with Scott Kahn because of his role in Hawaii Five O. Yeah, if that's true, we got trouble. Um, wait, are, are you going to really say how we fell in love or no? No, go for it. Yeah, for love us. Um, so uh, I don't really know. I don't know who sent me. Someone sent me your book before we met, right? Yeah. Someone I was, said. I think it was my old agent. Yeah, sent me his book, and then um, I read it. And you were, were you? Uh, and this all sounds like a bunch of crazy coincidences, but were, were you on? You were coming to Hawaii coincidentally at the same time that I got the book. Yeah, I was. I was over there. Just I can't even remember what for. I think I was. Yeah, something. It's never. Yeah. To to Hawaii. Yeah, Derek. This isn't an interesting story. I apologize. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, so he. I, I got the book and I, I, I read it right away. And then by the time he came over there, we sat down and he said, um, you know, uh, you know, I kind of want to think about maybe making this thing into a TV show or a movie or whatever it was. He's like, but don't say anything yet to anybody. I was like, I won't say anything to anybody. And then coincidentally, at the same time, I put my foot in my mouth and said something bad about Hawaii. And then I had to like go drive up to the North Shore to have a meeting with Uncle Eddie, because he was, you know, everybody was pissed at me because I said something wrong. And somehow I ended up fucking opening my mouth about Chaz's book. And I had to call Chaz and be like, remember how I said I wouldn't say anything? Well, I said something to the probably the person I wasn't supposed to say something to. So that's that's uh, and I think instead of hating me, he appreciated my honesty. And that's how we became friends pretty much. Right. Totally. What, did, what, what did you say that I'm with um, Eddie, Scott? Um, I was on a talk show and I just, you know, we were like busting balls on this talk show and I 
I didn't say anything bad about Eddie. I just kind of, you know, I said that the food wasn't good in Hawaii and that I was kind of losing my mind. I needed to get out, you know, I'm like a city kid, but it was just like, it was just stupid. We were just fucking around and, you know, you know, in Hawaii, one person hears it. And then next thing you know, the whole Island and, you know, uh, everybody was mad. Yeah, he posted about that food, bro. Yeah. Yeah. What did he say, bro? But I, I mean, in my defense, I really didn't say anything that horrible. I just, uh, you know, but it was a good lesson for me, you know? That was that was early days in Hawaii Five O, wasn't it? I mean, that was like year three or something. Yeah, yeah, I got to experience like both sides of being uh, a tourist in Hawaii. Like at first, I was so embraced, and all I had heard—I'd never been to Hawaii—and all I had heard about is that uh, it's impossible to get waves, and you're gonna, you know, people are gonna, you know, give you static and treat you, you know, just, you're going to just struggle to have a good time. And it was the opposite. Like I was so welcomed. Everybody was like, you know, stoked that I could actually surf. So I was like getting waves at good spots and everybody was looking out for me. And then that thing happened. And then like for the next three years, it was like the polar opposite, you know? So anyway, learned my lesson. So how did you, how did you get the command from that? You had to go see Eddie. How did, how did the news arrive? Um, no, I, I mean, I was, friend, you know, I've always been friendly with Kala and he was my boy. And when this shit came about, like people were, you know, they were really pissed. And I called Kala and I was like, yo, man, you know, I didn't mean to, you know, badmouth anybody. He's like, well, just come up and we'll talk to Eddie. I was like, okay. And, you know, Eddie didn't like call for me or anything, but Kala was like, come on, we'll just talk to Eddie. And Eddie was cool about it. He didn't really care. He just, you know, but yeah, so. Maybe it was, maybe I'm making it more dramatic than it actually was. Maybe Eddie didn't even know what was going on. It was, you know, but <laughs> that was awesome. I mean, Eddie, Eddie called me soon after. I was like, well, cause I hadn't told Eddie yet. I was writing a book. And so then I got the call from Eddie right after I was in Aspen and what is fucking book? Who's writing yeah. a fucking book? I basically yeah, fucked so everything up. I fucked everything up. You know? It was totally perfect. And then I got to do, Scott, I just had to read, I think I told you, I had to read uh, Welcome to Paradise uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, it had never been an audiobook, And so I got to do Eddie Rothman the entire time. So I'm going to see how Eddie likes my version of him. Oh, you fucking guy. Yeah. You fucking guy. But, um, but yeah, no, it was, it was a genuine... Again, I didn't mean anything by it, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not continuing to apologize eight years later. But you know, I, well, no, but Hawaii like was very, they were like Hawaii in general was very good to me, and I, I meant no harm, and it got taken the wrong way. But I, I, I did regret it immediately, and I was like, oh fuck, man! Like everybody's being so cool to me, and then I like go like this, you know? Kind Do of you scary. ever worry? Okay, real quick, we'll get into your history soon. But before, uh, as I was finishing writing Welcome to Paradise. Uh, at the Gucci store there, the worker told me that money that's made in Hawaii always has to return to Hawaii. The fact that you made a shit ton of money in Hawaii, do you ever worry that you're going to end the rest of Hawaii? That Hawaii is going to call you back and you will die in Honolulu? No. No, (laughs) I'm not concerned about that. Um, I I know. Simple answer, no. (laughs) Uh, Okay, getting in real quick. We have Scott Kahn on today. Scott Kahn is a legendary actor. Legendary. Uh, legendary. Are you kidding? You, my favorite, my personal favorite Scott Kahn role is, which I've shared, is the Mormon twin in Oceans 11, 12, and 13, I think, right? 
Was Mormon yeah. Twins in Tolkien too? Yeah, yeah, um, all of them. Yeah, love the Mormon Twins. So, uh, so legendary, you couldn't remember if I was in the last one. Well, the last, the last one was, let's be honest, just sort of the forgettable one of the, the, God, the Godfather Three. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which I heard um, that uh, Francis Coppola just recut, by the way. Godfather Three. Yeah. Godfather Three was so bad. But it he recut. Really I think. He, I know, but I think he's trying to. Re I think there's a new cut of it that's supposed to be not as bad. When did your which Godfather did your father die in? Godfather Two. No one. He died in one. Yeah. What? Mm. Sunny. Yeah. Wait, no. Your dad wasn't Sunny. Yeah, he was Sunny. Yeah, he was. You're a fucking mess, dude. <laughs> this is the way I do podcasts. I day drink and then I Zoom. That's good. Uh, I, can't, I can't believe I, I, this whole thing started with me telling that story that I haven't told in eight years that I thought I'd never have to tell ever again. And I, by choice, I brought it up. I'm still. That's yeah. Eddie, Eddie's just a. All of the North Shore people have turned into lovable teddy bears. There's no more scary on the North Shore. Right? They're always, all, they're always very good to me, man. Even when, even when I said the food wasn't good. The great, thing, the great thing is that this is going to get back to Hawaii and go, hey, he's talking shit about Hawaii I'm again. I'm like trying my oh, yeah. best to have that not be what happens. Please don't. <laughs> let's not twist that. You just have to mention the word Hawaii and you'll be, um, you'll be holed up before the, um, the, uh, the Western Court. So, no. Real quick, Scott Kahn, of course, legendary actor, son of a legendary actor, but got to start, I just read today, being a roadie for Cypress Hill. Yeah. You were like a straight, full-on roadie, like huffing, huffing, I guess not huffing anything, but... Uh, we, were, we were huffing plenty. <laughs> <laughs> like carrying speakers and whatnot? No, no, no. Uh, we, we actually had a, um, uh, I don't know if you know who uh, the Alchemist is. Who? You know the yeah. Alchemist? Yeah. He just, he actually just got nominated for a, a Grammy for Album of the Year. Um, he was my, him and I had a group back then and we were signed uh, to the guys, to the guys from Cypress Hill brought us on tour with them. So it was our, like our second tour. We had a group together, me and the Alchemist. Oh. That's awesome. So did you have like uh, music aspirations the whole time or? I, I just, I had just aspirations of not having to go to school, <laughs> you know, so like any, anything to not go to school. And so really. then when, did, when did you start? Was your first film Varsity Blues? No, it was this movie called A Boy Called Hate. I was, um, I was actually on that tour. I was 17 years old and it was the end of the tour and we did a show at Santa Monica Civic Center and there was this director who came and saw the show and got in touch with my uh, cousin who happened to be a manager and said, hey, will he come and audition for this movie? Um, and I did it and I ended up getting this movie and that kind of like changed my whole creative life. You know, I stopped, gave up music and went right into like, you know, movies and stuff. When and were you, did you grow up surfing? I mean, were you surfing this whole time or did you discover surfing later in life? No, I've, I've been, I was surfing since I was a kid. And so we'll get into some other great roles, but the Hawaii Five-0, when that came up, how, I mean, were you hyped? Like, okay, I get to go to Hawaii and surf and do this thing. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 was, that was the thing, you know. I mean, at first I, I had never really done a network TV show before, so I didn't, really know what it was going to be like. So in my head, I thought it was, you know, I'll go to Hawaii for two weeks, you know, act, surf, 
hang out. You know, there's like a big jujitsu jujitsu culture in Hawaii too. So I was stoked about, you know, going for that. I didn't realize that I was going to be there nonstop. Um, and I think, you know, like the people that sort of presented it to me painted this picture of it being a little different than it, that it ended up being as far as the workload and what I, what I was going to end up doing. But yeah, initially it was, it's a dream job, you know, but stinking on the back end too, though, 10 years, I mean, syndication whole nine, right? Like, I mean, yeah. isn't that like a real, a rare, a rare thing that happens? Like actually yeah. getting a syndicated TV show. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, well, no, syndication isn't what it used to be. So people think now if you do, if you, if you're in a show that's syndicated, you're good. Exactly. For life. It's, that's not true at all um, anymore. They, they there, there really is no more real syndication because of streaming and because of the new deals that um, after and the screen actors guild made with, um, with the producers and stuff. So it's, it's, it's not, it's not what it used to be, but it's still a score. I mean, I, I, if you told me, you know, 20 years ago that somebody was going to hire me for 10 years, I would have said that's that that'll never happen. So, you know, it was definitely, definitely a, a huge rad thing to be a part of, but the syndication thing is kind of irrelevant. Were you, were you there like fullish time for those 10 years or were you no the first three years I was and then I sort of lost my shit and was like I I gotta um I need to not be here all the time um you know I'm a you know pretty much been a city kid my whole life so that that kind of living I like for two weeks three weeks but after that I start to go nuts and you know I get like island fever pretty quickly so after the third year I renegotiated um so that I could be home two weeks of the month and in Hawaii for two weeks of the month. So the, the last eight years of the show, I was back and forth a ton. But the first three years, I was pretty much there straight. When you, when uh, it came to the rap, uh, did you feel like, I'm going to miss this place? I mean, do you feel like Hawaii has, has seeped into you in a... For sure. For sure. I definitely miss Hawaii. Um, what do you, Derek, what's going on over there? What do you got going on? I got a zit on the side of my face. I can just feel it. You know, you just feel a zit just coming up. Anyway, I can't, gonna... stop, can't stop messing with it. Yeah. <laughs> gonna get that nasty yeah. thing. Get that nasty yeah. thing. On the screen. So, so what was I saying? What were we talking about? Why? How How much much in your heart. Why? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have so, place. What? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Eddie. I, no, I didn't even hear it. I love it, Eddie. I love the joy. Um, but uh, yeah, man, I do miss it. You know, I didn't think I would, but like, I, 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 I do miss it a lot. Um, I mean, I don't mean to sound goofy, but there is something super special about that place. You know, it's weird. It's weird. How you live in What's that? <laughs> Chaz, you know, oh, go, Derek. Okay, I was going to ask, where did you live in Hawaii, Scott? Uh, in town by Diamond Head. Oh, lovely. Yeah. The biggest sprawling estate with green grass and shit. No, I didn't have that, but a cool little spot. Were you Were you in the Ooh. same spot that I visited the whole time? The whole time I was in that neighborhood. I rented the house where you visited. I was there the year before. I was at the house below that house. And then uh, a friend of mine, he owned like two houses on that same street. And I rented a house from him up the block from where we were for like five years. It really, it really was. Derek Riley is an architectural, I don't know, I don't want to call him a snob, but has taste and would love that neighborhood. Have you been up there, Derek? 
I love I love it there. Yeah. What's the What's the name of the uh, the famous um, uh, Hawaiian architect Ozapov? Vladimir Ozapov. My buddy Alex on the show with me. He bought an Ozapov house. Oh no yeah, way! He's got a sick sick. He's an Australian dude too. Uh, oh shit! He uh, he has a, uh, an insane Ozapov. Like a right, where about like two blocks away from me. Like I won't give you his address, but it's very close. <laughs> Yeah, just comes Alex. I'm Australian, like you, my yeah, friend. It's, um, you know where, like, you know where suicides is, and tongs, and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and, to- and um, uh, rice bowls. Like it's the like yeah. it's right above there. Is wow, there? what what does it cost to buy an Osipov house? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't lend him any money, and um, I, I'm pretty sure it's not cheap. You know, houses kicking around, wouldn't you? In your, in your portfolio? Me? Yeah, yeah. yeah, not yet. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Scott! I know you. Um, I know you like to fight. And I like to do jujitsu, and I've been trying to get Chaz to get into uh, to Dewey. And um, you probably didn't get a chance to watch it, but I sent you. A video. you watched I did. It? I didn't know that. that was, okay. I couldn't tell if that was Chaz. Uh, yeah. uh, and then, um, yeah, I, I did. I did see it. What, what, what should we say? Yeah, what, so, Chaz, so Chaz. Yeah, so Chaz's advice. Like, I would. I would have said, you know, just. Just arm drag, get in, little gable grip on the neck, just whoa, pull him down, get him on the ground. So you, and chuck, fuck so you train? Oh, only, only recently. I've been watching my son do it for 10 years. Oh, right. Uh, and I remember 20 years ago when Dewey first came to Maroubra and um, I, I went down and photographed her for the magazine I was working on and said, what the fuck are these guys doing? And now they're all, um, you know, they're MMA fighters, Richie Vass, I don't know if you know Richie Vass, but they're MMA fighters and they're black belts and shit. And I've only, I've only been going five months. I love it. It's so addictive. Yeah, it's really good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess, well, first of all, I couldn't, I, 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 there was that music that was playing over it. So what were you doing when you were touching his face? What was happening? I was, his, his just beard looked so soft that I just wanted to give it a stroke. But what, but, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. He, he was really mad at me. Uh, he had called the cops on me earlier, actually, for jumping across a coffee table at a podcast and shoving him. Uh, and then he tried to press charges on me. And so then he felt bad about that, I think. Uh, so came over at a surf trade show and was getting aggressive. And I just petted his beard and then he socked me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a tough one. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> I, I guess, I mean, he, he really did his punch. It seemed like he hit you with the inside. It didn't look like that guy threw a ton of punches in his life. No, no. It, he got me with like his, I think, wrist in my ear. Yeah. It was yeah. like a, it was like a slap with his fist or something. Yeah. It was very strange. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I would just say maintain the distance next time. You know, and if you're gonna be that, if you're gonna be that close, you want to wrap him up so that he can't hit. Otherwise, you want some distance. You know what I mean? Do you go straight in with a punch? I mean, do you like? to stand and punch it out or do you prefer to get on the ground well the idea of jujitsu is you either want to you want to control the distance you either want to be so close in it like a a, you want to be holding on so that the punches you can't get socked in the mouth the way that you did or you want to have you want to have distance and um you know and and be away from you either want to close the distance or, or keep away you get what i'm saying I, I mean, I hear you now. This you were right. You were you were just right in the middle. I mean, face touching, and then you know, just you know, thank God he didn't really know how to throw a punch, or he could have knocked you out. You know, 
I think I'm unknockoutable is the thing. I think that's one of my secret, my secret tricks. It's possible. Yeah. And then even like the hand, the hand fighting, I didn't love the hand fighting. I would have like, like he said, maybe an arm drag, take the back or maybe just, you know, Gable grip around the back and just, you know, is is jujitsu my my best go though? Should I? Sh- I mean, I keep trying to tell Derek that I should do Krav Maga, and Derek says no because they just teach you how to poke people in the kill people in the eyeball with a pencil. I, I can't speak about pro- Krav Maga because I don't know what it is, but I can say that jujitsu is very uh, an efficient uh, self defense martial art. What about just straight up boxing, like old school? I keep trying to pitch Derek on other stuff because I feel everyone's doing BJJ now. Well, there's a reason for that, right? Because it's good, I know. But what if you trick somebody? Like, they're all ready to get BJJ on you, and I, I throw in some judo. Judo's great, too, <laughs> but judo's a part of jujitsu. So I'm just going to get beat by everyone. I've really got to pick my... It's no, I mean, look, if you want to learn how to box, you better, you know, if you fight a guy that knows jujitsu, and for some reason he's going to let you get a shot off, you, you hope that one shot knocks him out because if not, then you got serious trouble, right? Man, damn it. Okay, soul, so, jiu-jitsu. I mean, so do you train every day? It, since quarantine, no, only once or twice a week. Once or, what, what, like, you, what's, what was your ideal program pre? Three times a week and then, you know, other stuff uh, the other days. Everybody I know who does BJJ or any kind of jiu-jitsu is perpetually hurt. They'll go for two weeks and be fine, and then they'll be totally laid out for that's, three weeks. That's, that's um, I think the first five to six, seven years of your jujitsu, that can be what happens. But as you get like a little older in jujitsu, you kind of learn how to take care of yourself and not fight like a spastic and control yourself and make sure you're training with the right people and that kind of thing. So you were training with, with the boys. In Hawaii? Uh, yeah, I guess whatever, you know, the boys, the sure. Boys. Yeah. What they call yeah, them? people, train. Yeah. Rolling. Rolling, yeah. Rolling with the boys. But Chaz, that's the, that's the, uh, that's the beauty of jiu-jitsu is you can, um, you can roll, you can spar at 80%, whereas boxing you can't really because, you know, you get a couple of socks in the head and, you, and you're not back there. But uh, every time you go to do a roll, you know, 15, 20 minutes, half an hour, of just um, straight fighting. So you get to use it. So you get to actually put it to practice and realize how you've gotten everything you just drilled. I was also thinking about maybe joining my daughter's ballet class though. So right now it's between <laughs> jujitsu and ballet. Yeah, it depends what you're going for though, right? <laughs> um, but uh, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the uh, reason that people do jujitsu is because or why you know so many people are doing it is because it's very efficient i mean if you approach it like it's just for self-defense you will you will you will learn how to defend yourself and then if you like the sport of rolling and training and the exercise of that you will enjoy it for that reason too so it's uh it's sort of like it's it's i think it's the it's the way to go whether you're trying to defend yourself or if you want to exercise or if you just want to you know, if you like grappling. Has, has there been a great uh, BJJ or jujitsu book written yet? I mean, there's tons of books, yeah. Yeah. I read the, like, I didn't fight and now I fight book. But uh, is there one specifically about, like, the history of jujitsu? 
Well, that's a tricky one too, because there, you know, there's so many different, um, there's so many different versions of a similar story and it's a fan, you know, it's, it's, it all comes from a family and it's a family with 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 different people in it. So there's, there's, um, you know, there's like the, the basics of the, the beginning of Gracie Jiu Jitsu, but then it all kind of gets, you know, how different, the, different the, people. To know, how the hell did they get it from Japan? I mean, which Gracie, did a Gracie go to Japan or? No, no, to, a, no. A, a Japanese Jiu Jitsu master came to Brazil and taught the kids of, of this guy. And those essentially two, there was four of them. Um, but two of the, the, the sons, four or five, did, did, uh, did Elio and Carlos have three brothers or two other brothers? Do you know? Yeah. I don't know. And so anyway, he, the Elio Gracie and Carlos Gracie's, um, father had, um, a jujitsu master from Japan, from Japan come over. What are you, you're pointing at me? You're telling me to stop? No, no, oh, I'm no. telling daughter quiet and go get ready for ballet. Anyway, they they taught um, these guys five kids ju Japanese jujitsu, and Brazilian jujitsu came out of out of that. Um, and the reason Carlos and Elio are the most famous of the two is because they each had like six or seven kids. Elio Gracie, I think, had six kids. Carlos Gracie had, I think, nine or ten kids. Um, and that's sort of why the the you know they're responsible for what Gracie Jiu-Jitsu and modern Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is. It's from those two dudes. The son of the father who invited the Japanese master over. It was Mitsuya, Mitsuya Maida. Mitsuya Maida. Right. Yeah. So um, if you had to do a book on one living Jiu-Jitsu dude, would it be Hickson Gracie? Probably, yeah. How good is, how good is Hickson? Um, I trained, I got to train with Hickson one time. Uh, well, tw twice I went to two. He, he Crone Gracie had a school out here, and Hickson would do. Um, they're not really seminars. I guess they were seminars. He'd invite uh, a lot of people. There'd be you know 150 people come to watch Hickson teach, um, and then I met him uh, when I went to a couple of those things, and then I got to do a private lesson with Hickson, and we rolled for like three and a half hours, and I was already a black belt. And by the time I left, he had, uh, he adjusted almost every single position, every, every single thing I did, he had a note. I mean, he was the most specific, every, everything, everything was so specific and, um, it wasn't about specific techniques. It was all about connection and where my body should be and where my hips are, and where my feet are and where my hands are. And he could, he's just, I mean, I'm, I'm underselling it cause I'm not explaining it well, but it was, it was pretty amazing, man. He's, 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 he, the, the private I took with him was kind of like, like nothing else. Um, hey, Jeff, maybe, maybe my next book should be uh, Hicks and Gracie. Oh, yeah. Come to California. You can branch out of Australia. You can branch, you can branch out of Australia. <laughs> uh, I think the amazing thing about um, Hickson though and Hoist um, and those guys, they all surfed and it was them going to Hawaii and being able to stand up and um, and getting on so well with the Hawaiians, that that they, they gave the Brazilians a lot of uh, respect in Hawaii. Is that a, is that is that the case? I don't. I'm not. I'm not. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I believe so. That it was in the, I guess, in the early nineties, maybe, when you know, Hickson and Hoist and Hoyler and all those guys, they all surfed. They went to Hawaii, and um, obviously they were tough guys. They introduced Brazilian jiu-jitsu to Hawaii, and that's why um, everyone does BJJ over there. All right, I didn't, I did not know that. Um, that's a, it's a good question. Why is surf culture so wrapped up in jiu-jitsu? Why is jiu-jitsu so wrapped up in surf culture? And maybe that's the reason what you just explained. And also because they're both really fucking frustrating. And I know you, um, I know you teach surfing to um, um, autistic kids, which is, which is beautiful. Yeah. But surfing to me is such a head fuck. I think it might be um, damaging to the poor children teaching them surfing. No, man, it's it's really not because you know, like the thing is, the and I, I, it's so hard to talk about this without using pretentious words like you know the stoke of surfing i don't know what else to call it but like that thing that we get when we surf like no matter what's going on in our lives our families are driving us crazier whatever it is like when you when you get a good one all that shit goes away for whether it's you know a beach break where you're doing one turn or you're on a point break wave a 300 yard point break whatever it is like in that moment the all the bullshit goes away you know and i think we all take that for granted also you know it took us 20 years or however many years to actually experience that you can't just be a a dude who's never surfed before and go have that experience it'll take you three or four years you know dealing with the conditions the people in the water where you sit all those things it takes us you know certainly in la and hawaii i mean it takes you a long time to actually experience that and when you take an autistic kid surfing, it's not like we just push them into a wave and go, hey, figure it out. We're actually riding with the kid and we're giving them that thing, again, that word, whatever we want to call it, that stoke or that feeling of being on a wave. You're giving them something that took us 20 years to figure out how to get. And it, I mean, you, it's, it's crazy to see kids who are fighting and screaming and not wanting to do it and then they're going down the line on a like perfect head high wave and you just see them everything goes like all the bullshit goes away and i mean i've had kids on my board that kick and scream don't want to go i get a wave with them and then they just point like again let's go again one more because there's a child but um but it's it's um it's it's I guess what I'm trying to say is that thing that, you know, somebody who's served for 10, 15, 20 years that we get all the time, we're, you know, we're, we're giving a kid that needs that sort of shut off of all the bullshit more than any, anything else. And that, you know, that's, that's sort of what they get to get by surfing with like an experienced surfer and being on a wave with someone who really knows how to, you know, get that thing. You know what I mean? So what's your, can you describe your current relationship with surfing? I'm a lazy surfer now. Um, I'm like, I, I go to my, the spot I've been surfing for 20 years. Um, and I just, I, I don't like go chase swells really anymore. Like it's like yesterday was pumping up in Ventura. I was like, you know, like solid eight foot and stand up barrels. And I'm like surfing one foot Malibu on a, on like a longboard Cause I'm just lazy and, like my first year in Hawaii, I would go up to the North Shore every weekend and go get, you know, scared to death and sort of 10 foot Haleiwa and almost drowned. And I was super into that. And then as time passed, I realized I just kind of want to surf like a head high wave on like a perfect 
point break, head high wave, maybe go get barreled every once in a while, but I'm not like out there trying to, you know, charge double overhead surf anymore. I mean, I, I would do it on a trip or whatever, but I'm just, I'm becoming a little lazy. Is that bad? Am I a kook now or what? No. no do you think, do you think you will stop surfing eventually? There's a whole new genre of quitlet. Of what is it? Quit what? Quitlet, where people writing their I'm giving up surfing uh, memoir, basically. Quitlet. No, no. I mean, listen, man, we're all, I, I, you know, I know, I don't know you, Derek, but I know I'm fucked in the head and I know that Chaz is fucked in the head. So I assume you're probably pretty fucked in the head too. <laughs> like, we need that shit. We need jujitsu and we need surfing. Like, for me, you know, when I'm like in, in this space going, goofy my wife's like says either go surfing or go do jujitsu so i don't unless something replaces it which i don't think anything can um i don't i, I my goal is to be able to do jujitsu and surf for the rest of my life are you ever tempted by the creepy offshoots i.e foiling you totally are you've got a foil in your garage no, it's the one thing i didn't do <laughs> I, I got on the finless trip for a while okay i was riding a lot of finless boards um I was super into the Elias and the, and the like Derek Hine models and like, you know, how do you do, how do you do your first turn on those? I mean, if you know how to surf and you get on one of those, you're, you, it's like the greatest thing ever. But then I tore my bicep tendon riding one of them. So like trying I, to drag. <laughs> yeah. So like when you're doing like a backside spin, you kind of put your, your back, you know, like you're about to like do a big cutback. You put your hand in the water. It's kind of like the fin. You grab your rail. And as you hold this hand in the water, your tail spins around and then you're kind of like, you know, like up in the pocket and then it spins you back around. So I was like going super fast down the line on this finless board. And I put my hand back to drag to spin. And like, I kind of, my body went like full this way and I was being held up. My, like my board's pushing this way as I'm spinning, but I'm holding in the water with my hand. And I just, I should have kind of let go because it was just like too late. I, like I was too, it was just stretching too hard. I just held, 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 held. And it just, it sounded like my wetsuit ripped. It was just like, <sighs> and um, I was, I like, I, it was, it was like really good that day and I paddled in and I was like with one arm and Joel Tudor's like running up the beach and I'm like walking up to the shower. He's like, come on, it's firing. I'm like, dude, I'm done. He's like, don't be a pussy. Let's go. Let's go. I'm like, dude, it's something's wrong. And so I like just like hobbled up to my car and watched everybody get good waves. And then I had that bicep surgery. I haven't really ridden a lie since or a finless since. I can't believe you survived the million arm bars and a fucking a finless surfboard on the left. Go ahead. Well, so I had been training that day earlier and I was, I remember I was like on this dude's back for like 15 minutes. We were like rolling no time, just, you know, half hour rolls. And I kept trying to choke this dude and he was like, had really good defense. So my bicep was, the doctor told me, he's like, it wasn't the wave. He says, your bicep, from what you told me, it's, it was already overexhausted. And then that was just the thing that overdid it. So had I not been training like all morning, that probably wouldn't have happened. But I also, I tore my ACL doing jujitsu, herniated two discs in my neck doing jujitsu. Oh, um, jujitsu. Yeah, but, but jiu that's when I was, you know, younger and didn't really know how to not be, you know, the thing with jujitsu also is you can, you can um, tell somebody like, yo, just relax and don't be a spaz 
but you, it's like, you have to learn that it takes you 10 years to figure out or 10, 15 years to figure out how to stay relaxed and not put yourself in bad positions or be comfortable in bad decisions so that you don't make stupid moves that end up hurting. You know, you get hurt. I mean, if you're going to compete, you're risking injury, but if you're just going to roll with your friends and, you know, roll with people that you like, there's no reason that you should get hurt. I mean, I, accidents happen, but you shouldn't be like tearing ACLs or bicep tendons and shit like that. Uh, you know, is, uh, is that just pride? I mean, is that what, is that what for, it is at that point? For sure. For sure. You know, I mean, sometimes, but like, you know, I have these herniated discs in my neck. So like, I, I, I'm, I really am not going to let someone put me in a triangle. I'm really not going to let somebody crank a, a guillotine. So I'm super careful to, you know, a lot of people say like, how do you get out of triangle? The answer is don't get in the triangle. Right. So like I try really hard to protect my neck, but if someone does get me in a, you know, where my neck is compromised, hopefully my ego goes like this and I can tap and not have a sore neck the next day. You know, how, how good is it having that panic button that you can just go, oh, I've had enough. Tap, tap, yeah, it's tap. great, man. But then, you know, we're all like our ego, like, you know, as I was saying, like our egos jump out and get in the way of that sometimes, you know, I'm like rolling with some, you know, blue belt who gets lucky and throws a triangle on me and I'm, you know, I'm teaching the class. I don't, I don't want to be like, hey, I got tapped by the blue belt, but. Has it ever, has it ever happened? The blue belt um, submitted you? Not in a long time, Derek. Not in a long time. But yes, <laughs> it has. You know. What, what belt are you, Derek? Um, I'm a white belt, mate. I'm going to be a white belt for about the next 10 years, I reckon. <laughs> I'm fucking hopeless. After three months, I had a little cauliflower ear. and swollen ears. I had to get the Mickey Mouse fucking protectors because it's constantly on the ground. Just guys just fucking just. Pushing me into the dirt, yeah. just rub, rubbing their gee, fucking lapel over my face. The, and trick, to, getting the trick to not getting cauliflower ear. What happened to James? James, is he on this? And I just see his name. James, he's a secretly. James secretly a, is uh, editing. He doesn't edit, but he's just quality control. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, the secret to not getting cauliflower ear is when it swells up, don't train the next day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, but, you know, it's like you have to. You're just so soft. I know. I know. I know, but, um, but yeah, you don't have to get, you don't have cauliflower ear and jujitsu don't have to happen together. You don't have to get it. But if you're a very poor practitioner of jujitsu, it seems to be quite li likely. And I was very embarrassed. I thought if I'm a black belt, I got cauliflower ears. Cause you see all the Brazilian dudes have all got cauliflower ears, but it was pretty embarrassing to get my Christmas photos. And there's this big thing hanging out. Yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah. I was, I was okay. so stoked on the, I mean, the little wrestler kids in high school with cauliflower, though, I was so jealous of them. That was like the sign of toughness. Yeah, well, you, you, you definitely can get it. If you're interested in cauliflower ear, it's, 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 um, it's, uh, it's on option. It's there for you if you want it. I mean, that's worth, that's worth for me to join up with BJJ tomorrow. Yeah. Nobody will find Ashley Goggins will not try to swing at me again when I pet his beard if I have cauliflower ear. No, probably not. And if you have cauliflower ear, you've earned it, and that won't happen. You will not, you, you know. I thought my broken, my shattered multiple times nose earned it, but apparently not. So did he, did, did, did that didn't, didn't ring your bell, and did you, did it continue? Because the video got cut. Did you want to fight him afterwards, or were you? Just no. kind of like, me. No, I was actually worried. So again, at the podcast, he had called the cops on me. And so I was more worried, literally, when he swung, 
uh, I was more worried that, damn it, he's going to call the cops again, and I'm going to have to deal with this on a cop level again, even though right. I wasn't the one who swung. And so that was my worry at the time. I should have probably thought my manhood and whatnot should have been challenged, and I should have jumped on him and smashed his face. But I was only thinking, damn it, I can't take a lawsuit. Like, I'll be in such trouble at home. If but that's, I, that's the beauty of jujitsu too. Like you can actually submit somebody or like get to the point of submission and, you know, without actually hurting someone. Yeah. So that's why I need, I mean, it's totally true. I need it at this point, but yeah. Like, Hicks and Gracie talks about, he didn't ever like to hit people with his fists. He would just slap. I mean, that's such the Hawaiian way, the beautiful Hawaiian slap. Oh, but not even Eddie showed me his slap a couple times and I still... And uh, now it's too late, damn it. Eddie's too old. But I uh, wanted Eddie to slap me out at some point just to feel how it felt because I do feel I'm unknockoutable. Uh, and just, but watching Eddie's hit w- is crazy. Yeah. The pressure. But yeah, Eddie, knock me out. I dare you. Damn. <laughs> Hey, uh, hey, hey, Scott, have you ever rolled with uh, Kelly? Kelly is sort of a, a blue belt. I've never rolled with Kelly, no. Um, and I, you know, someone like Kelly obviously has to be very careful with who he trains with. Um, and I think he's probably very smart about that. Uh, if, if Kelly gets hurt doing jujitsu, it's like a really, I guess it's a really dumb thing. So I'm, not that I've ever said, hey, Kelly, let's roll. And we didn't. But I imagine that he's very particular with who he trains with. What about what about what about Rogan or Jocko? Uh, Rogan, um, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Rogan, but I've never really I met him one time at a at a, at a Metamorris Jiu Jitsu event, but um, no, I've never rolled with Rogan. But I know that he's a. If anybody thinks that he's not really about about that life, they are wrong. Like that dude's actually he's actually that dude who will fuck you up. <laughs> you know. He's got he's got more black belts and um, such a variety of arts. Yeah, no, I've there, seen him. I've seen footage of him kicking a bag, and that just looks like you go to the hospital after he kicks you. Oh, I saw yeah. that the noise that thing made. Jesus. Yeah, and then you know, John Jacques John Jacques Machado doesn't like hand out black belts to people that don't deserve them. So he's, I'm um, you know, all ninety nine percent sure that he's a legit black belt in jujitsu, and I've seen him work the heavy bag. So he's, <laughs> he's the truth. I- Hey Scott, what's your uh, what's your favorite um, daddy movie? Mine's a uh, Rollerball. James favorite James Caan movie. My favorite. Yeah, is yeah. Thief. Oh, I love Thief. Yeah. Thief for sure. <laughs> you don't like Rollerball? I love Rollerball as well. I would say Rollerball is probably my second favorite, but Thief Thief is my favorite. I would say Thief, Rollerball, The Gambler. Um, Solid. What? The Gambler was solid. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, probably those are my top three for him. No. Was, um, was your dad like the um, dad and elf when you were a kid? No, he was like Sonny Corleone. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> he, seems like a, he seems like a very tough man. Yeah. Well, that's another thing too. For me, like I always felt like I had to prove I was tough because I felt like my dad was the toughest person on the planet. Like, He's not an actor who plays tough guys. He's a, a tough guy who got hired to act as he is. How did, so, how did your dad turn into a tough guy? I mean, what was his, did he just have like a hard street upbringing? 
Yeah, I mean, he was born in the Bronx, grew up in Queens, you know. Uh, he's just a tough kid, you know. He was, uh, from the stories I heard, like, I didn't, you know, I fought when I was a kid every once in a while, but the stories I heard, I feel like that they were fighting every day, you know, growing up. And my, my grandfather was, like, a, a legit, legit tough, tough Jew who, like, you know, with, you know, one of those guys who knew he didn't have not tough kids, you know? Isn't your, uh, isn't your godfather actually a godfather? I think it's Andrew Russo from uh, Columbo, my figure. I don't know, Derek. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I'm just what do I, I know? know about the, I mean, my, my godfather is Andrew Russo, but I don't the Columbo, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's good you know you need to keep your mouth shut with those things. Huh? But Hawaiians, let's see about Hawaiians. What's that? Hey, what about um, back to the uh, back to the hooligans? Oh, wait, but, but about the Hawaiian thing, I just do want to clarify, and I'm not just saying this saving face. I swear to God, I'm not. Like, I genuinely, genuinely love Hawaii, and I genuinely love um, even the people that were mad at me. Like, I, Hawaii treated me very, very well. So I, I genuinely have nothing bad to say. And again, I'm not just saying this to protect myself. And who knows if I'll even go to Hawaii again, but... Like I, I uh, you know, Hawaii was very good to me. But we all do, right? Like, I mean, Hawaii's funny to riff on. I mean, I feel Derek. I don't know where you are, but I've moved through my. Okay, it's funny to hate Hawaii, and then, but there's something really genuine about that that I so cherish. Like, I love like punch my every one of my teeth out, and I will still love it. Uh, and I suppose that's how all of the, it's Stockholm syndrome. Well, but not the <laughs> right. <laughs> no, but like I was saying before, man, like I experienced both sides of it, you know, like the welcoming and then, you know, there's a reason there was, there's just a reason for it. It's like, you know, Sonny Garcia one time said something that like really stuck with me. He was like, if you're good to Hawaii, Hawaii will be good to you. And that couldn't be more true. You know what I mean? If like you're good to the folks out there, they treat you right. And if you're an asshole, you get treated like an asshole. And I feel like that's, that's a good way for people to be, you know? I'm doubling down on Sonny Garcia from the Gucci shoe lady who said money that's made in Hawaii returns to Hawaii. So I feel that you have your next Hawaii chapter still to be written. Hey, listen, I told you I was going to write, a, I told you I wanted to write something. Uh, but I don't know why you like Hawaii. Okay. You as a creative and a writer and all this, uh, I feel oh. Hawaii is so untold, right? I agree, man. I feel like it's a hard story to tell. And I feel like to get it right is really difficult. And, you know, I was there for 10 years as a writer. I feel like I could get it right. And then I go to dig in and I feel like I'd be getting it wrong. It's a tricky thing. No one's done it right. I mean, who's ever made a movie set in Hawaii where the culture is really spot on? The, that Clooney film I thought was pretty close at least I thought, to the, I thought so too but that's not really the that's not the world that we're so interested in do you know what i mean like yeah that's like the legacy hawaii yeah and yes i thought that that was really cool um but i'm talking about you know just that the the surf culture and the that that i don't know it's just i mean surfing in general isn't told properly i think uh, in in movies ever, right? I mean, Big Wednesday, right? What, like, what else? I mean, I, I, we all we all love the North Shore, but that's still well. I don't, I don't I don't mean to be facetious, but I reckon Blue Crush got it pretty right. Um, what's this 
in the sandbar, Hoshi. Come with the pipeline, no? So good. Wait, um, I, I, I know the director of Blue Crush. I guess in parts, yeah. But it, again, it was like, it was really about like girls and, you know, girl power. And I don't know. I don't know, I guess. But it was a lot of like you said in parts, but there's elements of the movie that got it so right. You know, with Kala well, and the boys. Hire, and you hire Kala and Chris Taloa and, you know, those guys. Then, of course, that part is, seems legit and, and honest. Same thing with, like, North Shore. A lot of the parts of North Shore got it right. But yeah, a lot true. of parts got it goofy. But, Chaz, I, I, <laughs> I dare us. I dare us to go figure out a film to make set, you know, in Hawaii that's done right. Like, I would love to do that. I wonder... Talk like just chatting out loud here in front of all of Beach Grit's readers. Uh, if BJJ isn't almost the angle in with surfing as a counterpoint, yeah. But again, like that's a that's a tough one to do too because there's really if you're not a BJJ freak, watching jujitsu is really boring. Me, I'll geek out and watch jujitsu for six hours, like. The only reason I have Instagram is to geek out on, you know, uh, I, you know, my, my whole feed is just jujitsu stuff. But people who aren't into jujitsu, it's just not. I, I just don't know cinematically if it translates to what it is. A and B. Uh, what? Go ahead. You were going to say something. I mean, there's another thing too. I think that Hawaii gets written off as Hawaii, but sticking Kauai is as different from Maui is as different from Oahu as California is to New York is to Florida, right? right? I mean- I'm not, I'm not up on that. I mean, those islands are complete. I think people try to capture Hawaii where I think if you captured Honolulu, mm-hmm. I think, you know, I mean, to me, Honolulu is a, even, is a thing that's been, I don't know, teased, but it hasn't been captured. I agree. And I agree. Yeah, but, like, but you, you said you you're talking about um, like jujitsu as being the angle in. There's this, there's a documentary on flow grappling right now. Derek, do you watch flow grappling at all? I'm gonna gonna watch it right now. And you said that with a oh Google that. Well, no, it's a great. It's a site that basically sh- it's 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 a way to watch the pans, all the you know uh, who's number one, the worlds, any jujitsu competition. You get to you you join flow grappling and you watch it all. There's a documentary on these guys called uh, the Daisy Fresh Crew, and it's about this um, this instructor who has a school in God, I don't even know where it is, but it's somewhere. And it, these guys are just amazing, grimy. All they care about is jujitsu. They live in shitty conditions, and you know they eat ramen, and all they do is train and train and train. And to me, I watch this documentary on these kids, and it's like my favorite documentary in the world. And I'm like, how do we make this thing bigger? Like, I want to see 20 seasons of this. And then I realized like the jujitsu community is even smaller than the surfing community, even though jujitsu is blowing up. Like, I don't know if the the angle of jujitsu or surfing, even as big as surfing's become, if it's exciting to enough people, um, it is to me, but you know, you know what I mean? I think there's only a certain amount of people who can watch Hoist Gracie put someone in the guard for 30 minutes, huh? I mean, right. But, I mean, you'll watch it. I'll watch right. it. Anyway, Chaz, I don't know if jiu-jitsu as, you know, as, as... Maybe it's a character in the film. Maybe it's just a character. So a Brazilian guy comes to, um, comes to the North Shore and has interactions and shit. 
Yeah. So I'm writing this thing for you. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> I want to write his credit on this thing. It's super, super hard though, but so much of the nuance of why I feel, I mean, it's the nuance is the beauty, right? It's not the, what punches you in the mouth about Hawaii. It's the subtleties. And again, by Hawaii, it's even a, What if you frozen says both you guys froze and made me think it was frozen. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I was frozen in, in anticipation. That's my new, that's my new thing when I want to get off a Zoom call. I just freeze. <laughs> <laughs> just before you, before you do versus do North Shore versus Kauai versus Maui is wildly different. Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I only I spend most of my time on Oahu, so I don't really know. <laughs> What's so funny? I was waiting for you to freeze again. And go fuck! He's freezing again. And is it, is it a real freeze? What the fuck? Yeah. I was waiting for the. Mo- he really is an actor. You really are an actor, <laughs> aren't you? You're amazing. <laughs> so good. Yeah. One thing about one thing about Hawaii though. Before you go, I don't how know good is go. it? Though? By the way, my next. I have a Zoom call at four, so you guys can. Press your board. <laughs> I guess to go, go take the right? kid to ballet in five minutes. So I'm the one who actually has to go. <laughs> it's weird. But about the North Shore, yeah. how amazing is it that um, Eddie and everyone has, has kept country country? That's one of the greatest things on earth. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. But again, I mean, how do we uh, how do we figure out a way to tell those stories? Or maybe those stories that maybe guys like Eddie don't want those stories told, and that's the reason they never get told. Eddie wants it. Eddie a wants it told. Story. We just got to go back to Eddie. Eddie, when you hear you, this, you kind of really you kind of wrote the book already, right? I mean, no, but there's there's so much more. That's what. So Eddie was only okay with me at the end, is because he knew he gave me eight percent of his story, right? Eddie knows, and then I think Eddie felt that I got his voice close enough where he was like, okay, let's do this thing. So Eddie and I have talked multiple times about the Eddie story, right? Where, but then again, you got a stinking North Shore dude. Eddie Rothman, oh, fucking love Eddie. I love Eddie Rothman more than anything. But weeding through Eddie's own story to get the actual story is a rough one. And then telling Eddie, this is the actual story. It wasn't the whatever you said it was. What was the documentary about all the boys from Australia that came down in the 70s? Busting down, down the door. That was great, man. What about that? Is that? I mean, that would be a great movie to make, wouldn't it? How has that not been made? I don't know. <laughs> what about a great character that doesn't get talked about a lot? Is Fred Hemmings? So he's the polar opposite of um, of Eddie Rothman, and he was, uh, I think, he was a senator. Is that right, Chad? Yeah, senator, Republican, died in the wool Republican. I think he was a congressman, actually. I think he was like state senator yeah. in Hawaii. To be honest, he was never a senator. And he was a you know great big wave surfer and and um, you know help usher in the pro surfing thing. But he was the polar opposite of Eddie. But Fred, who loves guns, or you know is, is an advocate for guns, whatever. He'd carry a gun because he was getting death threats and everything from the from the North Shore. He'd be such good character. Fuck, I am really am writing this yeah, shit. Come on, man. What are you guys doing? Chess has, Chess has written the book. You're the, you're the movie. I am married to you, Derek, more than I am to. <laughs> I can't believe you've I can't believe you even did whisper that. Down Charlie, <laughs> I'm coming down for you. <laughs> so, you're gonna get you're gonna get Goggins slapped again. Oh, Scott's frozen. He must be no, he's, not. he's acting. 
<laughs> you got any um, you got any more good stories, Scott? Uh, so many good stories. Yes, sir. What about um, have you used Dewey in a fight on the street? Uh, yeah. Uh, like fourteen years ago, I got into a fight. I, when I was a kid, I got in a ton of fights, but I haven't. I've, I've been in like two two fights as an adult. When I was younger, a ton of fights, but I haven't. Uh, yeah, two two fights. Once I got in a fight with this kid in a parking lot, and I uh, took him down and choked him out. And then, uh, what was the take? Was it a double leg? Or no, I actually I, I threw a leg kick, and after Whoa. I threw the leg kick, he came at me, and he kind of took me down, so I didn't take him down. And I pulled like we landed. I pulled guard, and I swooped around to his back from from my guard. Oh. I just kind of dragged the arm across and took his back. And what belt were you then? Uh, blue belt. Ooh, yeah, not bad. Yeah. <laughs> hey, have you rolled with Ashton Kutcher, Scott? Um, no, I have not. I could have you rolled with Scott. Jesus, you haven't Kelly, Rogan, Jocko, no one. Nope. Joel Tudor? Yep. Yep. What's his game like? He's a monster, dude. And, and really? when I rolled with him, I was recovering from my knee surgery, so we were just kind of flowing, playing around. But I felt, I, I from the little bit that we were just playing, I, I felt he's the truth. And I know he is, just... From you know, I know he's he's really about it, but just from the little bit I've messed with him, he taught me a lot. I was a I think I was a brown or a purple belt when I when he was teaching me some stuff, and he's he's definitely he knows what's up. What's better, short guys or tall guys? Uh, oh, there's I mean different the difference. Yeah, yeah, very, just different. Wait, is it like tall guys have different leverage, but then short guys don't have as much to flap around to get caught with? I mean, listen. If you're in a if you're in a, a experienced guy with long legs guard, mm. you you got a lot more to deal with than a short guy. You know, uh, short guy's guard. But if I pass your guard and I'm at side control or I'm mounting you, I don't care how long your legs are because yeah. I'm just dealing with the upper half of your body, making sure your legs don't come into play. Okay. So it doesn't really matter. But um, and as you say, I haven't rolled with Joel or. I mean, I haven't rolled with Joe Rogan or Kelly, but I have rolled with some. I've rolled with Higgins. I've rolled Jesus. with Henzo. I've rolled with Hedon. I've rolled with a lot of. I've I've, I've been really. You rolled with Hedon? Never Henner, just Hedon. Okay, Hedon's amazing, huh? Another level. All those guys, another level. Same thing. Henzo Gracie. It was like one of the greatest two and a half hours of my life. This dude just. Taught me more in two hours than I learned in two years of training. I mean, there's a reason. There's a re- Never rolled with Crone. Never rolled with Crone. And Crone Gracie. I, was, I blew a bunch of my wallet on Crone Gracie. Do you remember he, uh, what fight was it? It was on a fight night a while ago. And um, it was Cubs the he, It was the one he decided that he was going to go toe to toe and not go to the ground. Yeah. Yeah, and I blew, and he lo- he put up a good fight, but he lost. And I had so much rock. I was like, he's gonna fucking roll this guy. He's gonna fucking put him in a leg lock straight away. It's gonna be over. And then he's like, starts throwing punches. I'm like, oh my god, what's he doing? What's he but doing? Me, that's a, you know, that's an interesting fight you talk about because to me, Crone um, in that fight was like you said, he was trying to go toe to toe with the dude. Mm. And I feel like a had he not done that, um, it might have been a different outcome, but still, if that fight went on for another five minutes, ten minutes, twenty minutes, Crone is going to win that fight. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah, and that's kind of the beauty of jujitsu. That's what 
that's sort of what his grandfather said. Look, we're going to figure out a way to not tire out and last long enough to eventually get onto your back or on top of you and put you to sleep. Right. You know? Um, Cause you know, Elio Gracie weighed 140 pounds or something like crazy like that. And this dude was fighting guys that weighed 180, 190, 200 pounds. Mm. Um, he's still rolling when he's 90, huh? I believe. Yeah. Uh, Fucking wild. Amazing family. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We were talking about like, um, you know, making a movie about them. It'd be so amazing. I just think the problem is there's so much, there's so many different stories, you know, like, there's Hodger and there's uh, Henzo and there's Hoyce. Yeah, and they all, Hickson. you know, they all have, ver- I don't think anyone's not telling the truth, but they all have their own opinion about how things went down. And it's like, nobody can say, oh, he's wrong, but they could just say, I see it differently. And when you're talking about a family that has 50 people in it, how do you, you know, how do you tell the right story? You're going to tell one side of the story and then people on the other side of the family are going to be like, wait a minute, that's not how it went down. Your opinion of how it happened isn't, isn't isn't how I saw it, you know what I mean? Yeah, I can imagine the minefield about making a movie about um, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu as sort of like making something about Hawaii. Right, yeah, you're gonna it's gonna be the wrong thing. Yeah, said. Man. <laughs> I don't even like. Sometimes I don't even like talk. Like when you ask me about, it, I, I like I don't want to. I feel like I don't want to say the wrong thing because I don't really know what happened. You know what I mean? I don't really know. There's beef. You know, this guy has beef with this guy, and it's like. How did that happen? It's like, well, I heard this. And then someone else could be like, well, you heard wrong, motherfucker. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, you would have seen the documentary Choker. Huh? That was amazing, man. Yeah, it's incredible, yeah. right? It almost seemed like, you know, that was the time for jujitsu when, I love that this is turning into a jujitsu podcast. This is great. So um, what'd you say? It's exciting. It's funny because I do a jujitsu podcast as well. With the guy who um, owns the gym down in uh, Maribra. Yeah. And uh, I was just thinking, hmm, what if I can clip some of these little fucking sound bites? Yeah, sure, and, uh, man. Um, uh, what were we saying? Fuck it. Uh, about, uh, we were talking. Oh, yeah, choke. You're on choke. Oh, yeah. Just saying, yeah. like, at, you know, everybody now talks about jujitsu like, oh, it's defendable. And people in the UFC learn jujitsu defense. It's like, okay, but they allowed that to happen, right? If, if, if Brazilian jujitsu never became mainstream and they refused to teach it to anybody and they refused to let everybody in, which is what they did, people who know jujitsu would still be smashing on everybody. And what's proof of that is you see Hickson. I mean, it looked like he had some tough fights, but at the end of the day, it didn't look like anyone was even close you know what I mean? In shows, yeah, it's amazing. It, it, it looked, and, and imagine, like, that's when nobody else knew jujitsu. So today to say that, like, oh, it's defendable and, you know, we figured it out. It's like, yeah, they, they, they brought it to you and allowed you to figure it out. But without that, they'd still be smashing on everybody, you know, I think. How how rebels it in choke that little uh, Japanese guy was five five or something. He's about weighed about a hundred twenty pounds. Oh, and he had no pounds. eyes by the end of the fight. Yeah, and he's a shoot fighter. Yeah. And it was kind of like a, a judo thing. He just, just wait for guys to get him in the leg lock. He just be getting pounded in the face, closing his eyes every fight, and then just eventually get him in the leg lock. Huh? That was amazing, man. Yeah. yeah. Has I was tried to get you to um, Matt Damon tried to get you to Byron Bay or anything. I think that'd be the ultimate Hollywood thing for you. Move to Byron Bay with Matt Damon and open a Jiu Jitsu Academy. And so 
Does Matt live in Australia? He's down here a lot. And Zach Efron? Chris Hensworth? Yeah, Nelson McCarthy's moved down. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen Cohen. just moved here permanently. Right, because they want to kill him or something like that, right? (laughs) Probably. Yeah. Giuliani's after him. Yeah, but he is his uh, wife um, is from uh, Sydney, isn't she? She's from Perth. Yeah, Yeah, it's crazy, man. Like, um, uh, I've come across uh, a ton of people from Australia and uh, I've never been. And I love... Like all my friends that are from Australia, I love them and I love everything about it. And I've still never been, so that's. You gotta join the Lexidus. It's called the what? Lexidus. L A Exodus. Oh, oh L A Exodus. I got it. L A Exodus, man. Are you in L A right now? Are you in? Yeah, L A. Fucking sorry, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> what are you apologizing for? You nothing to be sorry no, for. It's all good, man. Yeah, it's like that. I just know so many people have got out of there. And Chaz is always me. Chaz, I always have a laugh about it. He's like, man, San Diego's great. LA is just like you go there. It's just you go past Orange County and just hits an apocalypse zone. Yeah, it's a little crazy right now. Yeah. What about what about you guys, like your surf spots? Have you noticed over the, obviously, over the course of your life, like is it just as insane trying to get waves down there or your spots or not so much? Your spot, <laughs> Derek. What's that? Yeah, it's crazy. It's so fucking insane. Every um, every vowel lives in Bondi now, <clears throat> and there's probably ten people in each wave. And but then you get little moments, you know. You just go for surf. Swell just picks up, or it's onshore. You can always find little moments, little moments of glory. Yeah, it's like now you're looking for onshore days, so that there's less yeah onshore onshore is a new offshore. Yeah. It's amazing. Fuck, it's onshore. Let's get <laughs> yeah. Crazy. It's gonna turn onshore later. Yeah. I know, but it's but then, like outside of the major places, it's kind of it's a little busier, right? But it's not not hugely. It feels like it feels like every spot on the coast now has a, has a crew. It was before you go to somewhere, there'd be no yeah. one. Oh, fuck. Yeah. But it's not. But like surfing in California is just. I go when it's, it's fucking next level crazy. Dude, it's cr- it's crazy. I mean, I remember when I was a kid. Um, you know, it was it was like you know it was punk to surf it wasn't cool it wasn't you know like you know not you didn't see range rovers in the parking lot and like girls with surfboards and like rich people with their foamies and like it wasn't like that you know you go any surf spot and if you did something wrong you got slapped in the mouth and now it's like i'm gonna call the police like you hear that in the lineup like he cut he hit me with his board i'm calling the police it's like what's happening you know it's out of control Oh. <laughs> we don't have that yet. We're, that's it hasn't come to that level down here yet. Oh, it's on its way. No way. We still got it. There's still a bit of localism right now out here. Yeah. Well, the good for you guys. That's good. Good. Yeah. 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 Here it's gone. You can't even. Yeah, the WSL just completely bastardized it, haven't they? And opened it up to the masses. I mean, I don't know if it's the WSL's fault. I don't know whose fault it is, but you know, I just you remember like people that surfed when I was growing up were like the people that didn't want to be involved in like, you know, what team sports yeah. and coaches. Yeah. And yeah. Like what you did like, when, when I, I remember I surfed and my dad was like, you, what you're surf? What do you mean? Like skateboarding? What's the matter with you? Rap music and skateboarding? What, what's wrong with you? And now it's like, you know, six year old kids in Beverly Hills get skateboards for Christmas and surfboards and, you know, and personal coaching too. They get the skateboard and they get a personal coach. Crazy, yeah. We were just doing it. It was, it was like, what can we, like, we want to get high and like be we different 
Like, oh, you surf. Like, yeah, okay. Now it's, you know, I don't know. You got we actually, we actually have a we actually have a genre of literature now. Chess spoke about, about quit lit because a lot of people talk about quitting older guys. And we have one called Val Lit, and Val means vulnerable adult learner. So there's all these um, Val Lit stories now about guys who people at work tell them they surf and everyone is surfing now. And just about the, the uh, influx of Val's in, into surfing. That's funny because you know what Val means here, right? They're from the yeah. valley. That's what that's why we coined it because right. someone talks about adult learners, I think vulnerable adult learner, Val. Yeah, so get, get that old meaning, the, the Val. But then it creates this new thing. Yeah. Amazing, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's weird too, man, because it's like you get stuck in um, – you kind of don't know how to act anymore, right? Like I don't – when I was younger, like the dudes that got the most waves and the dudes that, you know, kind of like had their place in the pecking order, there was – not only could they surf good, but they also – you didn't want to cross them because you'd get beat up, right? So now – it's like I get into a beef with somebody in the water and I'm putting on that like persona that I believe that should exist in the water. But then I feel like a dick because the dude's looking at me like, yo, why are you being like this? Like, you're stupid. What, you, what, you want to fight me? And I'm like, no, I don't really want to fight you, but you just fucking blew it. And you, you're like bumming everybody out. And he's like, no, you're bumming everybody out. And I'm like, oh my God, he's right. <laughs> no but it's true it's like i'm the dick but i'm just trying to like keep the integrity of the thing that it should be that way there should be a pecking order and there should be like if you do that you're going to get beat up otherwise there wouldn't be 17 people dropping in on a set wave when someone who can actually surf is coming down the line like there's got to be rules you know gotta be rules. you ever punched anyone's fins out have i what you ever punched anyone's fins out no, you can't. You'll get sued. Like someone will literally be on the beach with the cops and like he has to pay for my board. You know? Derek has. <laughs> Derek. You- yeah, I punched the fucking fins out like that. What? I, <laughs> it's funny. I went to this um, this thing for this wave pool that's getting built in Sydney and they're trying to raise money for it. And a guy looks at me and goes, I saw you punch a guy's fins out in the water. That was years ago. And that's, fuck, that's an embarrassing thing to um, be recognized for. Yeah, I guess it is, but I appreciate that, right? Like, I'm, you know, like... Like, it feels good, Scotty. It feels good to feel those fins coming out of those FCS plugs. You know that guy's going right to the surf shop, like, hey, can you fix this? Yeah. 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 Obviously, obviously if he was big and threatening, it wouldn't have gone near him. It would apologize for being near him. Yeah, the worst thing now is just, like, if I'm coming down the line, I'll get a leash pull, right? Like, I'll yank somebody's leash. And then, or like maybe a little shove off the back, but you can't do anything. You can't like, you can't actually get into a fight. You can't threaten somebody. You get sued. No, when you missed a movie fucking star. What's that? When you missed a movie star. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, the guy, that one, he did it. He punched my fins out. He traumatized me. I was just trying to serve. And I'm like, dude, Derek, Derek taught me to do that. That's not even my thing. The white belt in jiu-jitsu taught me how to fight. Yeah. I remember when I was it's just, it was a, it wasn't even the threat of a fight though. It was just a shame that you'd have if you did something wrong and all the old guys were looking at you and the whole you just want to paddle in and die if you did something wrong because it was yeah. like, was against you. It's still like right. bad places. Yeah, or if you drop in on the wrong dude, it's like yeah, shame. 
You don't even have to. It's like, get the fuck out of the water. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. It wasn't even a threat of violence. It was just, you know, you've done the wrong thing against the tribe. You know, or, yeah. When I, when I was, there was a, the, the, the breakwater, it's not even like, you know, a great wave. But when I was a kid, I knew some dudes in Venice and this is when Venice used to be like a rough place. Like if I wanted to surf down in Venice when I was a kid, I literally would have to call somebody that I knew down there They'd be like, yeah, yeah, bring a joint and a sandwich for one of the boys and you can, you know, we'll let you get a couple. Like it wasn't, you didn't, you didn't just paddle out there and like, hey, how you, how's everybody doing? They'd be like, get the fuck out of here. You nuts. <laughs> have you seen my new J-O-B soft top? Check it yeah. out. Right. Sustainable and authentic. But we're the, but by the way, we're the, we're wrong. Very wrong, Scott. It's, we're um, wrong. it's shameful. Um, you know, we're down. out there in the water going like, uh, or I'm thinking I'm um, the bad guy now. Whatever. It's very sad. All right. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, you. Thank time, you, man. guys. No See you, bro. Okay. Yeah. That's me. I was born on a little bit south of Montgomery. Mama worked in the big house. And daddy, he worked for the county. I never had no learning until I turned 16. When Joe. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.